The Wiggly Podcast, bringing your garden to life. Welcome, listener, to the Wiggly Podcast number 25. Wow. It's a milestone, isn't it? 25? It's a a silver jubilee. (laughs) Well, there you go. Lovely. Congratulations, Richard. Yeah, congratulations, Heather, (laughs) I should say. (laughs) And congratulations to you, Phil. He's not here, no, he's is he? Not here. He's we've not here. pre-recorded his bit because he really wanted to talk dirty. Yeah. So we've thrown him out after he's done his bit. So you'll listen to that in a, a little bit later, yeah. dear listener. That'll be good. So what have we been up to this week? Well, Richard's been up in the woods, and I went up specifically to record some songbird song, and in particular some song thrush song. We've got Monty popping in, wiggling with his wiggly worm cast. Yeah. And we've held our In the Cow Shed at Night. So Richard's going to tell us all about that. Aren't you, Rich? I am. (laughs) (laughs) Alice popping in with plans of the week. But first, you will remember our raving, roving reporter, Ricardo, off into Hereford to talk to Claire Short about Bukashi. And it's made the news! Yeah. In the Birmingham Post. Do you want to read this one out? And then I'll read the one out in in the the National Newspaper. Right, right, Okay. Yeah, this is, uh, this is from the Birmingham Post. Uh, it says, Green-fingered Birmingham MP Claire Short has revealed an interest in converting household waste into compost. Ms Short, Labour Ladywood, said she has recently been using the new Japanese fermentation process Bokashi in her garden. The system turns organic refuge into a nutrient-rich soil conditioner. She said, I want to be more responsible about my waste. I've got my first full bin of Bokashi and I'm just starting on the next one and I'm terribly pleased about it. I like the idea of a liquid going down the drains and cleaning them. I have a bit of a garden where I have some herbs and things and I shall be using Bokashi there. The process works by adding a mixture of microscopic friendly bacteria, yeasts and fungi in the form of bran to organic refuge. And uh, it says it's sold in the UK by Hereford-based mail-order company Wiggly Wigglers. Good so Lord. That's, that's good. You see, so our podcast gets us into the newspaper. Yeah. So isn't that wonderful? Nice regional newspaper. Yeah. And it gives a good report on what happened. It does. But now we go over to the <laughs> sun. And what is the sun's yeah. spin well, well, on this like? piece of Richard news? Well, mm. it says, I love this. Labour's Claire Short, the rebel former cabinet minister, is yet another MP ostentatiously going green. She's turning her household waste into organic compost thanks to a Japanese fermentation process called Bukashi. And no, there is no tea on the end of Bukashi. (laughs) (laughs) The process is sold by the mail order company Wiggly Wigglers, which brings to mind politicians in general, somehow. (laughs) So, So they manage to insult... Everybody involved, really. (laughs) They've insulted Going Green, then they've insulted Wiggly Wigglers. That's a great article. Thank you. The Sun. I'm stood uh, on the top of Common Hill, which lies half an hour due south of Blakemere and all things wiggly. This is on the edge of the Woolhope Dome. I'm looking down across the Y Valley AOMB and the church spire in Found Hope and the river winding its way down through the valley, the River Y. And uh, it's really kind of just getting light. And a 
above me is the most beautiful, plump song thrush you can imagine. And he's singing his little heart out. Just listen to that. songbirds at this time of year have a fantastic repertoire and uh, they have to put a great deal of energy into singing really not only is he trying to attract a mate if he hasn't already got one but he's singing to let all his competitors know that this is his territory this is his patch You know that wonderful book I read, The Farm? Yep. And I have gone on about it a little bit, haven't I? Yeah. Well, Valley, my mother-in-law, read it, and she wrote to me saying, Very many thanks, Heather. Very much enjoyed. All the more poignant because Rose Farm is about nine miles from where my father was born. Why? And Sam said to me, We must vote for this book because on Richard and Judy, the television programme on Channel 4, yeah. it's up for Book of the Year. Right. So, dear listener, if you like it, vote, because it's a fantastic book and it's really educational about farming. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading it. Moving on, got a little bit of feedback from Rosemary Moon, who is a member and past <coughs> chair of the Guild of Food Writers. She writes, Hi Heather and all the team. Have been enjoying the podcast for some weeks and recommending them to friends, including a salmon whiz near Inverness who has, since listening in, attended a conference in Cape Town and recommended you to a muck man from Stellenbosch. Right. And so it goes on. Kind regards and keep giggling, Rosemary. Thanks for that. Nice with kind words. The it? cat is just going to pounce. I'm just blowing on the cat to try <laughs> stop it from landing on the me. The cat's name is Noah. Yeah. The only time that you've referred to that cat's name was when you mentioned it in the same sentence as bird flu. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I, didn't I say something like, uh, I'd heard on the news that there was a, a cat in France was found dead, having died from bird flu, because of course it was spending a lot of its time killing lots of innocent birds. <laughs> propaganda. So I said, yeah, there's hope for Noah yet. <laughs> yes, propaganda. And I might say that there's just a few moments that you wish that you had a video, and it's now. Because Richard sat on the sofa and the cat has just turned his yeah. back on Richard and sat purposely faced in the opposite way. Yeah. <laughs> a snippet of pre-recording coming up now, listener, because Phil is currently in Staffordshire feeding back to the leaf people, linking environment and farming, on how our event went in the cowshed at night. So right. here's a pre-recording of him talking dirty. I want to know, Phil... Bearing in mind now, it's nearly the end of March, and Lord Bach was absolutely determined that every single farmer throughout the UK would have had their single farm payment. Are you rich? Not a hope. Oh. Not a hope. Last week, the head of the Rural Payments Agency got sacked. Well, they didn't call it sacked, but he was disposed of. (laughs) So, um, obviously, the government are feeling that he hasn't been managing his job very well. And what has this meant to the farm? It means that to the farm that I've had to phone up my bank manager for the umpteenth <laughs> time and inquire as to what stocks of the wonga he has in his cupboard. Yeah. And can I borrow some more, please? Ooh. And what it's has not, it meant to other farmers? Not it's a similar it's thing, bad. I mean, it's the same thing. We're all trying to arrange credit against a payment that we don't entirely know when it's coming and we don't know exactly how much it is. And particularly for those farmers who were up against it financially before, 
you know, there will be a number who could be the straw that breaks the camel's back. You know, the, the bank will just say that we haven't got enough collateral to lend you the money. Ronin yeah. Farmer's rich? No, he's got a really good point, hasn't he? I think so. i tell you a really interesting point that I, I uh, heard the other day, and, and I think you and I were talking about the other day, is the fact that lots of organisations, what they tend to do is employ people that are similar to the people around the interview panel. So this might well apply to DEFRA. <laughs> that wanted to sound you know, particularly disparaging, and that because the majority of DEFRA seem relatively incompetent, the people that they're going to be employing all the time are equally as incompetent. Oh my oh, lord! Yeah, I can got, feel the phones going round. <laughs> so you've got an organisation. I've, I've, I've got to s- make a comment on that because I think that that's probably true of the management levels of yeah. DEFRA, the policy makers, yeah. who I have got very little time for at all. Right. But the actual unfortunates who have to deliver the <laughs> policies that are handed down to them. A lot of them are farmers' wives, people from rural backgrounds. They are highly knowledgeable, highly embarrassed, and very frustrated. Right. So that, in my experience, at any rate, the actual unfortunates who have to deliver this shambles are very nice, understanding, knowledgeable people. It's the policies and the people above them who I've got no time for. No. Anyway, Phil wants to talk dirty. But just before we just talk dirty, we haven't mentioned this absolute gorgeous plant we've got on the coffee table in front of us. So you're going to. <laughs> <laughs> fritillary. What is it? Snake's head fritillary, isn't it? So when I saw uh, Maggie bring that into the office this morning, I thought, what a fantastic flower. Absolutely stunning. It really is. And Phil came in and, uh, with his ecological farmer's knowledge said, is that an orchid? <laughs> no, no, Phil, that's no, not an orchid. It's, uh, it's a snake's head fritillary. You were lucky I recognised it as a flower. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and we've got some of those growing in the Wiggly Garden, haven't we? Yeah, we, I planted about 15 little plants when we first planted the garden, which was 2002. Yeah. And they're sort of in clumps, right. and they are absolutely glorious. No, but they're so nice that even me, in my, my frugal nature, I'm going to buy a couple and take home and create a little tiny swampy... You'll be all right there, Heather, because you'll have no idea them. what the price is, charging what you like. <laughs> <That's right>. well, <laughs> I actually feel speechless, because <laughs> Swampy's building a swampy, and he's paying for product. <laughs> That's probably because he feels guilty about those that he swiped last week. <laughs> <laughs> this company is going to go places. Yeah, yes, if we can so. flog the swampy, <laughs> rock on. Anyway, uh, Anne was telling you where these are naturally, wasn't she? <laughs> she was. She was. Is like, it right? I'm completely taken aback by those previous comments you just made. Oh. So. <laughs> 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 yeah. so uh, yeah, she. Uh, Anne was telling me that they, they grow, there's a, an area called the Lug Flats, a big, big uh, river meadow in Herefordshire. Fantastic site, you get some curlews nesting down there in the, in the spring and early summer. And apparently there are big clumps of snake's head fritillary, which is amazing. And I know in the areas in the Thames Valley where you get acres and acres of them, um, but nowhere near as many as you used to, of course, because of the draining of river meadows generally as a consequence of intensive agriculture. Yeah. It's a yeah. stunning little plant. Bulbs, aren't they? You could plant a bulb in the autumn, I suppose. Yeah, you could. But no, anyway, complete, beautiful plant. Oh, shall we let him? Let him what? Talk dirty. <laughs> shall we? Oh, here he is, <laughs> Farmer Phil. What muck have you been up to this week? We've been mucking out the cattle yards. 
lots of muck because the cattle we keep them I should say we keep in what's called deep litter so that we just keep putting fresh straw in on top every day or most days and then you, obviously the muck builds up underneath the cattle and we Does muck that out. mean when they eat their tea sometimes at the beginning their neck is stretching upwards and then they eat their tea from a lower table because that uh, really annoys me when you go to a restaurant and you have to eat your tea and your knife and fork is up by your ears. I'll tell you there, Heather. Oh, is it? Because the chairs aren't tall enough. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. So oh. if we go back to Phil. But that is right. Okay. And in, in oh, our, just a minute, it's right. In our, in our newer, Carry on, Phil. In our newer cattle yards, the mangers have different settings so that we can raise them up the wall. See? To take account of that fact. But there is a low setting for those cows that are a bit short in the leg. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, there are actually more scientific reasons for mucking out because as the calves are born and we get more of them, at about this time of year, the muck is starting to get hot, a bit like your compost heap will get hot. And under those circumstances, it starts to cause bacteria to build up. Wouldn't that keep them warm, though? Well, cattle on the whole are designed for outside use so that you don't really want to keep them warm. It's much more important to keep them ventilated but draft-free. But having this build-up of bacteria, you get a build-up of disease pressure. And the calves being the most vulnerable ones, you can run into problems with scouring or infections getting in through the navel. And so that we try and time mucking out so that majority of the calves spend the time between now and turnout in a yard that is mucked out so the disease pressure isn't as high. If we get it right, and this year I'm pleased to say we haven't touched wood had any problems with scouring or navel ill, you can get it cleared out and the yards are all fresh and clean, plenty of air movement and the calves will be healthy because of it. How much muck is produced? You have to guess in terms of tonnes, but roughly speaking, each time we muck the yards out, there'd be about 400 tonnes of muck. Cool, I bet they feel better for that, Rich. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they do. And that all goes just down the road to our neighbour, Tony Dale, and he gets it out to the yard and we use a bobcat, which is a little skid steer loader, which is great fun to drive and almost as much fun to watch. But the advantage advantage of that is that it's very quick and it doesn't damage the yard because it's small and precise. And the reason that we don't spread on this farm our own muck is because we grow everything for seed. We don't want the contamination of any seeds that have gone into the the muck getting spread out onto the field and then coming up as rogues in the following crop. Why don't you just heat it up and then you'll have composted it? Can't guarantee to get it 100% and given that one seed of the wrong species is enough to reject a 25 tonne lorry load of high grade seed to grow, you've got to make every effort. The flip side of the coin is that you'll then say, well, there's no organic matter going back into the soil. But because we have a lot of grass seed in the rotation, grass is very effective in itself at putting organic matter back in the soil. So that that is the quid pro quo for not putting the muck on. If we put the muck on, we wouldn't be able to grow grass seed so that the one balances the other out. And actually, I think the grass seed improves the land better than spreading the muck. Because you've still got the cattle that go out onto the fields, but onto they're not the onto the arable fields, yeah, fields. But not on the arable fields. And does Tony Dale have to pay for the muck then, or does he pay for the mucking out? Years ago, when times were good, <laughs> he did pay for the muck. 
because he grows quite a lot of potatoes and muck is considered a good thing before a potato crop and he used to pay us one pound a tonne for <laughs> the muck right. and he paid the cost of getting it out and hauling it. Now I'm afraid my one pound a tonne has gone by the board and it's just down to the fact that he gets it out of the yard it. and hauls it away. Right. That's another measure of the decline in farm incomes that muck is no longer worth a pound a tonne. Just a minute. <laughs> <laughs> there you are. <laughs> That's a good point to end on, I think. All right. What a grump he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad he's not here today. Off no, you go, Rich. It, it feels defence, though. Fair play. You know, he did a grand job on Saturday night, didn't he? He you know, did. The cow shed at night was brilliant. It was really, really good. It was really well orchestrated. Lots and lots of juicy, crunchy information. And uh, it was a great night out. I really enjoyed it, even though I sort of come over here quite regularly. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I came over with Sarah. And we were, how many people do we have? About 40 altogether? Something yeah, like that. I think there was a, probably about 50 people with children. Right, right. So and there was a nice mix of people as well, farmers and people that weren't familiar with the farmy ways and the, the groups were split into two, weren't they? Yeah. And Phil escorted a group out into the cow shed. My Sarah's really quite frightened of cows. Really? <laughs> yes, he said to Phil afterwards, I bet you didn't realise that I could move that fast when we went to the cow shed. His idea was to go into the cow shed and then walk across the shed, through the cows, then up onto the feeding platform. So, we, so, so of course, we went into the barn doors and there was a bit of a commotion, a movement, you know, by sort of protected mother boves. Yeah. And so, and Sarah scarfed across the bar and was up, <laughs> up on the top of the platform in, in no time at all. Normally I'd have, oh, can you give me a hand? Help me up, Rich. And no, I didn't have any of that that time. Straight up there. So that was great. And we were, so we were, people were able to stand on the platform and listen to Phil procrastinate about all things bovine. <clears throat> and it was really good. He came up with some good, useful information. And I think there was probably a little bit too much for most people to take in in that one session. Yeah. But there was lots and lots of information talking about husbandry techniques talking about how, the, you know, how he markets his animals. Um, and then, we, of course, we went off and saw the bulls at the end of the, the session and uh, Phil talked about the different cuts of meat. So it really, really did give people a, an insight into how their food gets onto their table. And then, of course, we came back in here and there was a Heather presentation, wasn't there? <laughs> a Heather lecture. A Heather presentation. Oh, this is great, a flip Lordy. chart. A flip chart oh. presentation. It's really difficult doing that. Put... Yes, I was a bit nervous, yes. But you, uh, you, you pull it off. You pull it off, and there were some good questions. There were some, uh, and really, it was your presentation. I guess was geared around raising people's awareness about how they buy their food, where they source their food. Shall I give you a bit of the feedback that we got? Yeah. Okay. I should say that all the food was local produce. Uh, so when you hear that, you know, the food is the highlight. That was part of the evening. Yeah. Okay. What did you like? Seeing the calves and the cows look so happy and well cared for. What didn't you like? Leaking wellies. <laughs> and I must say, I, I know who that lady was. Yeah. And she forgot her wellies and she kind of stole Jodie's. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> and the Jodie's are well known for being blue wellies with a hole in them. Yeah. Of course, she didn't know that. <laughs> and, so, and she found out when she did the... Um, Dipped her foot in the, in the, yeah, in the, in in the, the disinfectant. Foot. That's right. Yeah. And what we missed out, where to buy our beef. What have you learnt? Lots and lots, I feel reassured about how the cattle are cared for. That's good though, isn't it? I mean, if people are coming here and, and being able to say that they're reassured about how, they, how their animals are cared for, that's great. What did you like? A great pleasure to be in your cow sheds. What didn't you like? I don't think generally people are willing enough to spend enough money or attention on food. Perhaps it needs to be more expensive or scarcer. 
What do we miss out? Nothing. Oh, and she says, I feel unhappy about pigs. I think they have a worse time than cattle or sheep. Because there's a situation with pigs, isn't there? If you're like Danish bacon, for instance, then chances are you come from a pig that's been tethered all its life. Whereas, uh, you know, if you source some uh, British pork, generally those pigs have been, not always, but often they've been uh, left to roam outside. So they've had a reasonable life. Absolutely. Uh, One more. What did you like? Liked all the information provided about food and farming. A magical experience. What didn't you like? The cold. (laughs) It was cold. It was cold, yeah. Although I was so enchanted by the evening, soon stopped thinking about it. Comments. Great to have an insight into how real farmers produce and their thoughts. What do we miss out? Nothing. What have you learnt? What a blog is. <laughs> <laughs> Yippee! And more about cattle and production. And that's from L. Cochram in Malvern. Right. So there we are. Thank you. So you, Ricardo, were the roving reporter of the evening. Yeah. And Hopefully we've got some good sound bites. Well, we'll listen in now. Right. Monty, Bunny Guinness, ever heard of her? She's off Gardener's Question Time. We've had John Craven, off Country Farm. We've had Prince Charles, but most amazingly of all, we've had Ken Goodwin off Central News. <laughs> In fact, Tony, where you're stood there is just where Prince Charles stood while he was eating his organic egg sandwich and sipping his Earl Grey tea with honey. And do you know what he said to me when he was stood there? He said, Heather. I've got a pair of great tits in my garden. <laughs> and I was able to say back to him, Have you really? <laughs> What's it all about then? Another balmy Heather idea. No, I don't know about you, but I've been brought up in the countryside and I don't necessarily know what's going on on the farm at all. I didn't really know the type or the quality of the food that I ate. And what about all those mysteries in farming? You know, those initials. RPA, Jethro. Well, at first, when he was born, I thought he was completely balmy. But he's not balmy. But he is obviously a bit of a runt. But we realised that if you get him near any straw, he just eats it. But he doesn't swallow it. And we do, we clear that out twice a day, and he'll then go and suck his mother. <laughs> and he's absolutely, you can see, he, he'll actually come to us to have that straw taken out. <laughs> I don't know what the prognosis is because I keep hoping that one day he'll learn to chew it and he'll sort it out. Well, they'll start chewing things right from the word go, but obviously, for whatever you see there, he is now he can suck again. Yeah. I'm hoping that when we put them out on grass, 
that he'll deal with grass and not straw, but he's obviously one that requires a bit of extra TLC and demonstrates the fact that it doesn't always go to plan. But don't ask me, nobody I spoke to has ever seen that before, and I certainly haven't. steak comes from, it's where your sirloin steak comes from. Top side, silver side, all down here, these are the meaty bits. When you come up to this end, you've got chuck steak and various shoulder blade joints and so on. Brisket, which is this bit. And then you've got belly, ribs obviously, and so on. And as I say, that selling that bit of the cow is the, the challenge. Anybody can sell any amount of fillet steak, but it's actually reminding people that there are really tasty joints of meat to be had from that end of the cow that is the, the challenge that we as farmers have because you know it's there's all sorts of different ways of, of cooking meat and you can do lots of things with it. Penguin's very obliging because he'll let us show <laughs> Richard, the raving, roving Ricardo reporter, that was a fabby dabby. <laughs> I knew I could rely on you. Thanks, good. Listener, really, we recorded a, an article to say if it goes wrong as well. So yeah. we've got two of them. So you're, you're recording this conversation, recording everything we're saying now. Yeah. So did you, uh, did you have a pleasant evening anyway? So have you learned something tonight? So, so you, you block this organisation then, do you? I do. I see, who are you then? I'm Richard. Ah, ah, Richard, yes, yes, we yeah. were Richard. Yeah, you've yeah, yeah, met many times. Yeah, you've met many times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think it was a worthwhile evening? Have you enjoyed yourself this evening? It's about information. It's definitely something we've got to ask farmers. We've got to try and do more of. Because, I mean, people don't come on the farms to do the hop picking or the potato picking like they used to do years ago. The general public are too remote from the farms. So, yes, we have to. It's like it used to be. We will have to do this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. And I mean, you know, you get, you, get, you get a feel of the atmosphere tonight, you get a feel of kind of the type of people that have come along. Uh, and I mean, it's, it, is the information, has the information been conveyed as adequately as it might, might have done, do you think? This is just a tiny scratch on the surface of what needs to be done, but yes, that's, that's, that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, you've got to admire him for taking this challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you farm, you grow What do you farm? Beef and sheep. I've been fattening for, still recording this. Yeah, yeah. For the last 10 years, I've been buying them stores and fat in them right. but I've, I've got some fatteners there now ready to go and I've, but I've also got this time for the first time for girls I've got some single suckers I've just calved yeah, exactly, yeah. right. so, so I've got calves the same size as so I've got in each end of the world so why did you decide to do that for the first time this year as a conventional change your ideas a bit. Said the other day that they had a lot of well, store capital getting too dear and too scarce, and, uh, and I was thinking that a lot of people would be going out of cows now and changing the yeah. beef cow subsidy. And quite taking the beef cow subsidy out, I said there'd be a lot of people, especially uh, contaminated with organic. So there'd be less store capital available. Right. Yeah. right. 
So I thought, well, if I can't, if no store can't available, I can't business, I can't buy any. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've been paying now six hundred pounds, six twenty-five for up to store cattle, and unfortunately, the beef selling. I'm selling beef in the autumn, and I, I'm going to jump get seven, seven fifty for cattle. Like Miles, we look at Miles when we buy over six hundred pounds for. Well, of course, then you're losing money. You're losing money. That, but of course, there was subsidy on that. That was fine. But I mean, you can't do it without there being. A, I mean, there was a hundred pounds subsidy on those. Right, so, so it's still not much, though, is it? Really, so when you think about so it, even even with, a, with a subsidy, it's still not, not so making a uh, you're not making a fortune on them, are you? Really, the amount of work that's involved, and that's, that's right, that's right. Yeah. It's just it's just uh, running around chasing a tail for nothing. But it's it's what we do. The condition is our way of life. Yeah, yeah, that's right. To give up your way of life is 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 a very drastic decision to make, and we haven't got to make that decision yet. Right, right. So. So we're doing something different, and uh, it'll take us um, probably five or six years to realise we can't make any money of this. Right. So then we'll <laughs> try something else. Try something else. With, with all these changes that the, you know the, the, um, the, the, the being instigated now through the single payment, are you? Do you think when you eventually get uh, any any payment from the RPA, do you think uh, you're, you're going to be better off? Do you think the countryside will be better off as a consequence? Should be. I see this single farm payment as our redundancy payment. When the miners, when they closed down the miners, there was a lot of money put into mining communities in the way of retraining, redundancy, money and that. We've got this seven years now, or six years, of single farm payments where we will be able to reorganise our businesses. If we want to stay in farming, it'll be up to us, but we'll be on our own. If we take the opportunity now of doing something else, we've got the payments now for the next six or seven years in which case you can retrain do what what you ever want to do so it's up to us now this this, this single farm payment is our redundancy and that's it well thanks for sharing your thoughts with me that isn't my blackest thoughts I've got worse thoughts than that so they're fine Ricardo, a bit difficult to hear there. Yeah, yeah, a bit too much background noise, yeah. perhaps. Fifty people in a farmhouse is not conducive to a quality recording. <laughs> Never no, mind. No. The the gist of it was, what did Clive say? What didn't he say? I think one of the things I remember from something that Clive said, he said, "Well, I think the government are organising a redundancy package for <laughs> us." <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, let me think, who else said something? Um, my brother said the best thing about the whole night was the onions. <laughs> but Jackie did yeah. make them and they did blow your head off, so that's fair enough. I didn't see, I didn't see any onions. You didn't see any onions? No. Oh, they got chilli in them, they were really no, delicious. Jackie Payne makes oh, them, absolutely my. gorgeous. Yeah. Somebody said, Heather doesn't like Tesco's. Well, that's simply not true. That's not true. No. And uh, they were amazed at how much paperwork there was with the cows, you know, with the passport for individual cows. Yeah. So we'll yeah. talk to Phil about that again. But anyway, Ricardo, the roving reporter, has failed in this time because it was too noisy. <laughs> Never mind, Rich. Better luck next week. The Wiggly Wormcast podcast by Monty, a weekly fact on worms. Cyber Candy in Britain sells chocolate-coated mealworms at 
£4.20 a bag. I wouldn't like them, though, because they're covered in plain chocolate, not milk. Thanks, Monty. That was great. Hi, Al. Good Hello, to see you. What have you, um, what have you got for us today? Uh, Watermint today. I know, I've seen Watermint growing, and it is a stunning little plant, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really, really strong scented. You can use it in various different things. We can put it in a lot of cooking. Yeah. Um, when you have your new potatoes and peas, right. chicken away, you can use it for that. So you, you can, can use it in the same way as you as conventional mint? Yeah, then. as conventional mints. It's a lot stronger, though. Really? So they have a really nice... Better flavour. Yeah, better smell. I use it in the pims in the summer. Yeah. Particularly lovely. Yeah, yeah. just the job. Mm. I remember when we did BBC Gardener's World last year, and Heather went off to get some pims and came back and she picked some mint from the, from the garden, from our show garden, oh, yes. and chucked it in. That was really nice. Yeah, a nice little yeah, touch. That's what you were doing over there. Yeah, Drinking right. pims yeah, while yeah. we were busy with Yeah, fell in the sun. Dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> so you've, um, you've got this now, and, and if people, they plant this out now, how long will it take? Now that obviously looks like quite a sort yeah, of humble little plant. Yeah, it's died back now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, they do grow quite vigorously and do have to control them. They're best probably planted in baskets really so you can actually control but um, in a small pond you'd only need one or two because they spread it's quite a mass they do spread quite Um, quickly yeah and they root and cling on to things and they spread from there so they go along the ground right yeah it needs a bit of control this one but it's lovely yeah so really i suppose in much the same respect as conventional mint a land-based mint. yeah that's it because if you have normal mint in your herb pot that takes over yeah Yeah, so yeah definitely yeah same with that one excellent and the flowers can you describe the flowers yeah they're like a pale pinky purple uh, cluster on the top of each stem the um, bees butterflies and loads of insects love this plant it's a real good one and you can hear a whole humming of bees when they're in flower, this is that one. right? Yeah, yeah it's just yeah. lovely. Yeah, stunning. It's really good. Yeah, excellent. So really, it's worth having. I mean, not only does it, you can use it to feed yourself. Yeah, <laughs> it's good having a plant for your wildlife, and also to be able to eat some of it. It's Great. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Excellent. Thanks, Al. Thank you. Oh, another week over, Rich. Yeah, I tell you, you're off ski now, aren't you? Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, where are you going? Well, I'm going skiing in Banff, but this today... I'm just... <laughs> no, not today, you're not. <laughs> no, today I'm just... You just thought you would rub that in a bit. <laughs> yeah, just to, you know. but I'm off to Holland to roving reporting from a worm farm. Right. So that's on next week's show. That'll be good. So we'll see you then. See you then. Any right. comments on that, Rich? No. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when he does that. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know about all the We were the talking about politics this morning, weren't we? Having a right raging row about, yeah. you know, about yours and mine being slightly different, although perhaps similar in some respects. They're but... not similar <laughs> in any respect. You just need to come round. <laughs> <laughs>